Hi, welcome to Fractional, episode 29. I'm your host, Lance Robbins, with my co-host here, Joshua Wold, where we talk about some things entrepreneurial and fractional related, but pretty much whatever we want to as it relates to making our work and our lives better. And we hope you enjoy it. So how's it going, Joshua? Hey, it's going well. We were just talking in the pre-show that um, I'm not fractional anymore, not really. Um, And I still want to just chat with you. So (laughs) we'll just talk about whatever is fun. And if people enjoy that, let us know. If not, we'll, I don't know, we'll still just talk about whatever we want to, I guess, and hope that people enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, the show will go on. I think there'll be elements of fractional stuff, entrepreneurial stuff to talk about. Because I think that's a big part of who both of us are. Actually, I'll, I'll jump ahead on something. I was talking to a colleague this week, and he asked me, what motivates me? Uh, achievement, getting great stuff done, recognition by your colleagues, being praised and rewarded, or power. And I was struggling with those three. And I'm like, well, none of those are really striking it for me. Then he defined power, which is autonomous control over what you do for yourself not not power over other people but power over your own destiny i was like oh okay well that's 100 percent me <laughs> and i think i'm interested in fractional obviously i'm interested in this idea of owning like my own destiny but ultimately i'm interested in that power over my future anything we talk about i want to talk about things related to that how can i so I've been I've been reading this book called Free to Learn, a fantastic book about education for children. And the moment you are, uh, and actually I think you and Sophie would love it, it's right up the realm of the way you guys think and the, the way that you're operating. So I've been listening to the audiobook this week. The moment you are made to do something as a child, it becomes work. When you choose to do something, it's play. So it's kind of this question of, can I... Uh, could a kid learn and educate themselves with help from the right adults and other kids where everything they do is essentially play and they learn and upgrade through that? And I've just been sitting on that this week. I've been thinking about that. How can the, the, and we touched on this last week, like some of your HR stuff that you have to do, right? How can more of my life be quote unquote play, meaning I feel the autonomy to do it instead of being told to do it? And I was actually talking to my manager this week and he's like, yeah, Joshua, the place I want you to get is where you're working on the things that you want to work on. And I'm there to support and guide and and give you good feedback and pushback, but that you have that autonomy. So (laughs) that's where my head's been this week. And I think fractional, indeed, business developer or working as an employee like that's what i am striving for in these episodes try to wrap a little more definition around that achievement piece as a motivator i mostly ignored it (laughs) so there's another book one of my colleagues was reading and what i think the achievement piece means is i find great motivation in getting a task done and knowing that I accomplished something that was hard and knowing I got it shipped across the finish line and that it had value. Um, and that's, that, that, that's it. That's a motivator for me. Um, I, th- I think that's how I would define that one of those three. Where do you land? Right. Thinking about this, like, I think I'm, I'm struggling to disconnect uh, achievement from power. If we talk about power in the sense of autonomy to choose what I do, how I do it, the way that I work, because I am really goal oriented, right? Like if I start out on a new project, like I want to know what is the thing that's really valuable for my client? Like, what am I trying to accomplish here? But I really crave that autonomy 
to put together that roadmap and execute on it. So if somebody said, hey, we want to bring you in to achieve X, Y, and Z, and here's what we want you to do to get there. As much as I think that goal is interesting, my appetite for that kind of project is pretty low. So maybe it's, <laughs> and actually, I, I think digging into these two is important. Achievement for you, if you're being uh, micromanaged on doing it, that's not interesting, right? If you're instead part of understanding the vision of where a team is trying to go, and you've got the power to control your part of that, maybe that's interesting to you? That's a, Yeah, that's interesting to me and, and motivating. So I think that power element is there. However, if it doesn't feel like the work is meaningful or isn't making a difference, it's hard for me to want to stay with that. And so I, and maybe this is like one of those, you know, personality tests where it doesn't have to be all one or the other, but I think for me, it's a strong blend of that achievement and power together. I like that. One of the things that my manager did this week that I really appreciated is we were on a call and he said, Hey, here's where the company's trying to go in the next year. Here's our big goals that we need to accomplish from a financial perspective, from project perspectives, and here's the impact it will have on the team and the company if we accomplish these. And here's the breakdown of the projects. And then I know because of other conversations, which projects I'll be helping with. So that's the start of me understanding the vision of where the team is trying to go. And then we're having side conversations where he's saying, Joshua, I really want you to run with I'm going to give you the high level pieces that we have to accomplish. And I really want you to run with all the details of that and figure out how to do that. I think that's maybe a good blend of as an employee at a company, I'm not really trying to determine where the entire company will go, but I do want a lot of freedom in an area where someone points me. And I guess I need to give a plug to recognition because, well, I don't think it's a motivator. It's not that it's not meaningful, right? So it's not like just because you choose, it's not a dichotomy or a, Trichotomy? Is that a thing? <laughs> or just because you choose one, the other two don't matter. Yeah, it's great to hear, you know, to get recognition or whatever. But I think at least where I sit now, like I view myself as working for me, recognition is really helpful in that it's marketing for my next opportunity. <laughs> but as far as like how it, what it means to me, great. I'm really glad you're happy with my work, I know, but I'm happy with my work. And that's more important to me than you're happy with my work. And I think for these three, there is, there's not an all or none, right? It's more, does one of these wait a little bit more for you? And one of them clearly does. But yes, it, it does make my day better if someone says, hey, what you did there was incredibly helpful. Thank you. That was a great job. I appreciate those kind of things. I don't, I don't take that kind of feedback and say, you idiot, why are you telling me this? No, I, I, I appreciate it. it. It does brighten up my day and I'll often go tell my wife, hey, someone just said this about it. Or sometimes I'll text you and those things are beneficial. It's not my motivation for getting up in the morning, but it's, it's like a little dessert. I completely relate to that. For me, I'm just trying to figure out how can more of my days be play <laughs> because I've had some friends over the years that I've maybe get a little bit annoyed with where they say they've never worked a day in their life. They love every day. No, that's not me. I've worked plenty of days in my lives. My life um, feels like lives at this point. And how can I, I don't know, how can I do more of that? And I'm, I haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Well, speaking of feeling like you don't really work because you love everything you do. Uh, yeah. That's hard for me to relate to. I love what I'm doing right now, right? I love that I'm, 
I love the independence. I love, you know, the impact I'm making with my client work. However, like I spent half a day today troubleshooting pension benefits for our, our 401k plan. And like, is that high value work? And I feel really excited about absolutely not. Um, so there's this tension between like, there's significant things that have to get done and the stuff that I really want to be doing. And, you know, I think if I think about fractional, we said before the, before the call, like this show doesn't have to be all about fractional. It doesn't have to all tie back to it, but because it's what I'm doing right now, if I think about like in this case, essentially like an entire HR function being outsourced to me as a fractional provider for that, there's gotta be stuff in there that I don't like, but have to do versus being able to serve in a, like a strategic advisory capacity where I think a hundred percent of the work is stuff that I would really be excited about and get down with. But I was having a conversation with a mutual friend of ours earlier this week and just saying, I think that the work right here is kind of those like hard miles, the hard yards that I'm building on to where the more heavily weighted advisory part of my career can follow. Cause I need this. I need, I need this hands-on stuff beside me and a lot of the stuff I've done before, but not all of it. And so this is like really helping me round out my hands-on skill set, have more real life experiences to work through that are fresh and recent. And I think that makes the future part of my career that can wait more towards the stuff I really love to do and want to do more of and less of the stuff I don't uh, a reality. So there's no such thing as the overnight success, right? Like the stuff you get to the stuff you want to get to because it took a long time. Yeah. I've got more to say about that. I just want to, say briefly that I, it's helpful that you know how to do the quote unquote boring stuff you had to do this week, right? You understand what it is, which means you would know how to hand it off to someone else to support you in the future. So you don't have to be doing this for the next 10 years. But, and this is something I remember hearing a leader talk about that in his company, he tried to do a little bit of everything until he understood it just enough to hire for it and have someone else step in. So yeah, okay, continue though. I, I I think that is a good way about thinking about something that's not your favorite to do. Which, yeah, I, I do have somebody that's working with me and I can't wait to uh, be able to pass this along. And I think I will, and it'll be successful. Uh, I was at a networking event this week, North Idaho Dads in Business. So if you're listening, you're in the North Idaho area, Nicholas from Craft Tree Service. Uh, if you ever see the trucks running around with the beaver on it, that's they go around climbing and chopping down trees in people's backyards. Um, he, he puts this thing on it's once a month. It's really interesting. Like entrepreneurs that are family guys just kind of get together and, and get to chat. And so th there's a, a fellow I met and, and maybe we'll have him as a guest here in the future, but he's, uh, he's gone independent as a, a mortgage lender, like a loan consultant or something like that. I, I saw him at the event this month, I'd seen him, we chatted last month and he's like, Hey, I got my first, I closed my first deal. He just went out a few months ago on his own. Uh, I was like real excited for him. And he was asking, you know, how's business for you? And I was like, dude, I'm super busy. Uh, he's like, man, that's awesome. Like, I can't wait to be that, like have so much work and stuff. And, and I shared like, well, <laughs> it's not that easy to have a ton of work, but I started saying like, Hey man, you know, this is so good for you. Like you're just a few months in and you're, you're closing your first deal, like broke, breaking into an in, a new industry, starting his own thing. And I was like, Dude, I moved over to tech and remote world stuff like in 2017. So I'm six years plus in and I started my own business. I mean, it's almost been a year now. Right now I have all the work that I, 
just about all the work I can do. I could pick up a little bit more, but I don't have leads coming to my door every day. And it's been a real struggle. So for, for him to be able to pick up you know, his first contract, super excited for him. What I'm tying this back to is that there's no overnight success. Like the, the person who runs the ultra marathon, the person who, you know, shows up with a successful you know business plan, like that's been building on something, whether it's directly related or indirectly related for a long time. It, it doesn't just happen. There are sometimes years of struggle behind something that looks like it's just working so easily <laughs> or nepotism, either of the two. Um, I'll, I'll take whatever one comes my way. <laughs> sure. Right. Won't complain about those handoffs. Yeah, and I think that touches on another topic that we've talked about in the past. What does security look like? What does you can you be secure in a full-time job as an employee? Can you be secure as a fractional with a handful of clients? Can you be secure with a product with customers? And I don't know anymore. <laughs> I'm not really sure. So this is something I picked up from the Rich Dad Poor Dad stuff a long time ago is the difference between security and success. I'm not sure what the other term uses, but we want security. But in the books, his example of security is prison. If, if you go to a maximum security prison, like everything is done for you. You have, you know, it's predictable, but you're limited. Like what you can, what you can do, your autonomy, what you can achieve, the opposite of that is risk, but that's where the greatest like upside for growth and potential is. So the desire for security, I think when our risks aren't paying off, I don't have firsthand experience here, but like I hear like people, they get out of prison after spending a lot of time there, integrating back into the world around them can be pretty difficult. And I know there's like a number of folks who, who report just saying like, man, kind of just kind of want to go back. Like when, when risk isn't paying off, like I could really use some security right now. And I, and I get that. <laughs> I love that take. And, and actually it reminds me of eight years ago or so I had a secure, stable job working locally that I'd been at for a couple of years. A couple of mutual friends of ours offered me this opportunity to join a tech company remotely for a three-month contract and that was it <laughs> and i had this moment where my income was going to double for three months i could stay secure at my job that i actually had a good in jail <laughs> in jail i actually had a good working relationship with my boss like we were things were going well but uh there wasn't she had even told me there wasn't really a future for me for my career there the company couldn't really offer the growth I was looking for, but she was happy to have me continue working there um, because we liked each other. So I jumped to this other company. The risk was off the charts. The stress was off the charts. But looking back now, I have no regrets. I am so thankful. It has been one of the best career journeys I could have imagined, like getting to work with all these people. So I, I'm actually, I'm glad you brought this up because it gives me some perspective that, yeah, I've had a lot of turmoil. Yeah, I've had a lot of craziness, but... My wife and I have had a fantastic eight years. It's been really great. And I think I need to remember that, uh, look to the past to appreciate the things that have happened to give context for the future, right? <laughs> I need to remember that because even when things seem crazy, like we're in a, we've had so many wonderful blessings that have happened since that shift. And that job in itself, 
was an incredible blessing for a period of time because it gave me some security when we absolutely needed it. So uh, I love that trade-off that you're describing. Sure. And I think there are times, seasons for, for both. And I think there's times when, you know, maybe there's other stressors or there's other factors that really dictate, hey, you know what? You're not going to make a million dollars at this job, but you also will have a lot of things that are going to be a struggle if you're trying to go alone. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just calculating those trade-offs and deciding what is it for this season of life right now. And also, I know we've talked about this too, is like, I don't know that there really is as much security. There's only just like a cap on your earnings because it just feels like things that seem secure are just disappearing for people left and right, like layoffs. I mean, mortgage rates through the roof. Like it's just the stuff that was able, we were able to take for granted for the last 20 years just aren't there. And and you and I are thinking of the the tech industry, right? Where that was kind of like one of the last bastions of opportunity for individuals to create a good life for themselves. Well, that one just came, got hammered in. And <laughs> you are right that even the tech industry has taken a hit, one that we thought was secure, that we thought had opportunity, that we thought would, would work for us for the rest of our lives. And so much in the past with maybe our grandparents or our parents, they could count on a stable 30 to 40 year career. Now that is completely gone in almost all sectors. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Your, your career is going to be what you make it now. And that you might choose to uh, hitch wagon to an employer, but don't count on that being there for more than who knows how long, right? At any time it can go away and you're capped while you're there. I've got to say, you and I are both white males. So there's a level of privilege we have in the opportunities available to us that many other people won't even have that. So that's it's something I look out for. Can I help others who maybe don't have some of the same innate privileges I do? But even with my privileges, it still seems incredibly unstable. There still seems to be challenges. So I don't know. It's It's a tough world out there and we do what we can to help those we know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. This is a, it's a slog. It feels like speaking of slogs, <laughs> that's what I was going to do. How's it going? <laughs> <laughs> I have a, a treadmill in here now. I've, I've run on it twice. Um, had it in here about a week now and the weather not getting above freezing snow on the ground already. It's not even November yet. So I think this is going to be a winter where I can put a lot of miles in. Uh, so far I like it actually. I generally detest having to run on a treadmill. So like my experiences with treadmills in the past are like go to a gym to use the treadmill, right? Never had one at home. Maybe I stay at a hotel, right? And like, I want to get a run in, but it's bad weather. So I'll use it. And it's just like, I'm watching the clock the whole time. Like, when can I get off this thing? And this is so boring, but at home, it's a little different. So I watched a football game while I was on the treadmill. I was spent 45 minutes alternating my speed from like a slow run to a hike at the max incline. So I'm hoping that, you know, sessions like that on a weekly basis will spit me out in springtime more ready to take on uh, race the wolf. That's a great idea where maybe you're like, Hey, I get to watch football games when I'm um, running. I, I, that's, that's a great way to tie those two together. Yeah. Rewarded myself. Um, and then the other morning I uh, had a call. Uh, I talked to your brother for about 45 minutes while I ran. 
uh, at just like a conversational pace. So it was easy to do. We'll see how it feels as I continue. But I think when it's getting tougher, put the miles out on the trail. Um, I'm going to be craving that, like the endorphins that come with you know, the, the higher intensity exercise. And that that's going to be interesting for me. That's going to be, I think something's going to be real positive. Another thing that I'm doing, I just did this for the first time today. And I'm going to recommend it for sure. Um, it's something called kin stretch. Have you heard of kin stretch? So don't even, I'm not even going to try to really like, describe any of the science behind it, but essentially it's like mobility training for a lot of like the joints and connective tissues that we don't typically exercise. And I think for folks like me who sit for my work quite a bit, um, we have a lot of weakness and underutilization, especially in my, in our hips. Um, so I've been noticing a little bit of knee pain, uh, with running, which I haven't had before and uh, some hip pain. And I'm determined to like improve my range of motion, prevent injury. Um, so I did this, this, um, kin stretch workout this morning. And let me tell you, it is pretty pathetic like how much range of motion I have and strength I have in, in a lot of these joints that we're targeting. So it's a, it, there's a subscription. I'm really on the fence. Like I may actually buy into this. It's like 60 bucks a month for a whole library of these like targeted workouts. And I think just turned 38 and I want to see a future where I'm doing trail marathons for the rest of my life. So I think that if I just, act like a bulldozer of I'm just going to keep going. Like, I don't think my body's going to keep up with that. You'll just start tearing down. Yeah. So I think I need to be more strategic. If I was 20 and I wanted to do marathons, I could just do them for the next 20 years, but I'm on the back end of that second 20 years. So, um, if I want to do them another 20 years, I probably got to be really taking care of, uh, some of this connective stuff. Oh, that that's awesome. Uh, I want to keep hearing reports. Perfect. Final topic for today that I've been mentioning over a while, this idea of a roller coaster. You have a good day, then you have a bad day, then you have a good day, then a bad day. I've been thinking today about reversion to the mean, this idea that if things are really bad, they're unlikely to get worse. There's usually some kind of mean that you come back to. I don't know, just kind of curious how you think about this. You look at your situation, work, life, what your family is doing, your home situation, and you think of what if I could change it all up? Is it likely to get better or worse? So, so I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious how you respond to that because I'm, I'm this is me just thinking out loud right now. Yeah. So I'm thinking about the average, the mean. Pretty chaotic. <laughs> bad, bad times are intense, and then normal is is pretty chaotic. So for listeners who don't know this about me and my family. I have three kids. My middle child is adopted, has oppositional defiance disorder, reactive attachment behavior issues, uh, pretty strong on the autism spectrum, extreme ADHD, cognitive disability. We have a lot of comorbidities with this guy. <laughs> Love him to death, but he is really difficult to parent. That's why I say the, the average is pretty chaotic. I think, you know, if something was to change... I don't know what that would be because it's a pretty constant in our home. And so it's about managing that. And you're right. Like there are, there are times where we might just be totally exacerbated and the other kids are stressed. 
but it's not likely to stay that bad, right? It will normalize to a place where we've learned to manage. And then there are times where my boy might spend the weekend with somebody that we have for respite and uh, we get to take the other kids to do something that he would never want to do, would be really hard to do with him. That's a real high for us. Or maybe like the grandparents come visit and we go do something special all together and, and that's a big high. And so that's also not the, not the norm. But I think when the norm is pretty difficult, it's really important to make sure those highs happen. You, you describe your, yourself, your wife, yeah, your other two kids. Because of the needs of your middle child, he's going to take up the energy in the room. That's just mm, that, that's mm. not something he can really help but do. And so then the, the other four of you are looking for ways. How can you still continue to be who you want to be? And that's a unique challenge that you've you've had to face. Definitely. So there, just took that super deep. <laughs> well, and I also, I can say this for myself, that I didn't know what I was capable of handling. I used to think my life was complex when I was a single teenager, working a little bit of a side job. I thought, oh man, my life is busy. No, it's gotten more busy. I've had the ability to stretch and grow with that, but there does come a breaking point. And I think you know you know what your breaking point is, and you have to figure out how can you and Sophie make sure that you back off of that and find ways to not have it all overwhelm at once, because that's too much. Definitely. Well, we, uh, we'll be back next week. I hope you all have a wonderful, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, upcoming winter if you're in the southern hemisphere lucky you yeah enjoy that enjoy enjoy spring and summer please uh, send us an email email at fractional.fm we'd love to hear from you and thanks so much